We'll see if I'm still live here in the microphone. And apparently we are. I think we're good. I got the thumbs up here, so I think we're good to go. Uh, what a wonderful Reformation presentation of the solas that was. Chris, I'm not sure you left me anything to say here. With uh, <laughs> It was just so good and we're so blessed. We just want to go on and on and on. But for now, we're going to call your attention to a, uh, a real Reformation text from Romans chapter 3. Anywhere you go in the book of Romans, actually. But beginning with the 19th verse in Jesus' name, would you please stand for the reading? Beginning with verse 19, then Romans chapter 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now, but now, a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is the boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that observing the law? No. But on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. These are thy holy words, Heavenly Father. And how we pray this morning that you might sanctify and cleanse us in thy truth. For thy word from cover to cover is everlasting truth. Amen. Please be seated and grace unto you this morning in peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In confirmation class, we were taught what the Bible truly means. And Pentecost was the birthday of the church, we, um, we learn. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven to breathe life into the church for the first time, making it a living, breathing body of Christ, his very own heart beating inside his people. And each person, each member is a thankful to God for the gift of salvation and lives to please him in all that we do. The love of Christ constrains us in grateful appreciation for his love and grace. And he continues to breathe life into us every single day. That's what it means to live, to be alive as a Christian. By Luther's time, as we're reminded on a day like this, the church was guided by its leaders and their opinions instead of God's word. And therefore, there was a drifting away from God having lost track of his voice. They lost the treasure that he offered them in his word, including salvation, which they desired but were unable to find anymore because it had been so obscured by the church with all of its rituals and, 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 and all. The church was pointing people in the wrong direction to itself Instead of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church by itself cannot save. It does have the means of grace, but one doesn't, isn't saved simply by attending church. But the church was condemning its own members to a godless eternity. And into this uh, terrible situation, God sent a 
16th century Moses who started out as, a re- as reluctant to lead as Moses was. And by now we probably know what his name was, Martin Luther, who took the first step on the eve of All Saints Day. That was October 31st, 1517, to invite a debate among the church leaders and he hoped to point out the problems in the church from a biblical perspective. Come back to the scripture. See what it says. And um, like Josiah in our Old Testament reading did in that Reformation as well. The church would have none of this from the upstart college professor. And like Goliath went to war with him who challenged their authority. And like David, Luther prevailed. And this was a back-to-the-Bible moment that we call the Protestant Reformation, which began the church which we call Lutheran. Reformation Sunday gives us pause to consider this legacy, this wonderful legacy that God has given to us and by those who went before us as a result of God's amazing grace. And it is good to think of the Protestant Reformation on this 504th anniversary of the event that changed the world and set the people free from the bondage of sin and Satan, and yes, setting people free from the bondage that the church had placed them under as well. And it brought back the joy of the freedom that the Spirit gives and removed the bondage of God's law and and what it demands, which the people craved to be delivered from. And it's important to reflect on the importance of that day to Luther as well, who had no idea of the significance that day would have for future generations, but he lit a fuse which ignited the power keg throughout all of Europe. And it was the eve of All Saints Day, then All Saints Day being November 1st, that the Reformation began commemorating all the dead saints that the church had venerated because they supposedly had special faith or merit. And they were raised by the church to a special place to be prayed to for help protection and blessing. In that day, All Saints Day was a very important day because everyone would be at the church. And that's why Luther nailed his 95 Thesis to the church door the day before, the eve of All Saints Day, October 31st. And we don't have super-human Christians that we venerate and pray to and help us reach heaven, but we do have something much better, a superhuman God who purchased our pardon on Calvary and works in and through us to do great things. Christ alone did everything needed to save us. Luther resented the thought that Jesus didn't do enough and that we have to do something to complete the work of of redemption and salvation in our life. And one thing the Bible makes clear is everything God gives us is ours by His grace alone, through faith alone, in the crucified and risen Christ alone. But on a day like today, before All Saints Day in our church, we can observe it in a good way to consider those special Christians in our lives, those saints who by the grace of God gave us enlightenment, encouragement in our daily lives until we reach heaven together. The saints might be Parents, grandparents, godparents, Sunday school teachers, mentors in the church, other Christians that God has placed in our pathway as spiritual leaders and guides. 
It's good to take the opportunity of thanking you while you can and while they're still with us and to thank God for those who are now in heaven that we can't thank personally anymore. The Reformation anniversary also provides an opportunity to get back in touch with our own spiritual roots to reflect upon things that we have been taught and why we embrace the beliefs that we have. We cherish the words God has spoken to us in the Bible and we cherish the doctrines of our church found in the Catechism, which gives us a right understanding of the faith that we have. And it is essential not only to get, to get, clo- not only to get closer to God, but to remain there and God's blessing and the destiny of our eternal soul depends upon it. God's Word, this means of grace. And it isn't only what we believe that's important, but what difference it makes in our lives personally, how we apply God's truth in our lives. As James wrote, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And James also wrote, knowing these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's take advantage of this time cherishing the meaning of our heritage as Lutheran Christians, Protestants. Let's renew our allegiance to our God and the vows that many of us made on our Confirmation Day, and let's enjoy a back-to-the-Bible movement in our own lives. We were reminded of the five pillars of the Lutheran Church, which uh, still stand going back to the Reformation. And we are saved solo Christus, solely by Christ, solely fide. This is a little quiz here after our presentation. Only by faith in Him, sola gratia, only because of God's grace, which comes to us, sola scriptura, by God's word alone, in sola Dio, gloria soli, for God's glory. And we find these pillars of truth throughout scripture, not just with Lutherans, but all Christians to some degree. And sometimes all of these can be found in one and the same place, as is the case with our verses for this morning in the book of Romans. And it was Augustine, one of the founding church fathers who uh, Luther followed and admired, who was converted to Christ reading one verse of Romans. And that's the power of God working through one verse. He said, No further would I read, nor did I need, for instantly, as the sentence ended by a light, as it were, or security infused in my hearts, all the gloom of doubt vanished away. He was gripped by the Word of God. And Luther writes regarding Romans, Romans is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word by heart, but occupy himself with it every day as daily bread for the soul. And so that's something to think about. Can we start a Reformation in our own heart? Taking today as an, as a, uh, an opportunity to do that? Luther unleashed the Reformation by gaining a renewed understanding of what the epistle said. Night and day, he said, I pondered until I grasped the truth that righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy he justifies us by faith. He said, I felt myself to be reborn and have gone through all the open doors into paradise. Oh, that we were to live that way each day of our lives. We can The Church of Luther's Day had forgotten about grace and the unconditional, complete forgiveness of God offered solely in the merits of Christ alone. 
It was freely offered those who repent of sin simply by faith alone, trusting in the finished work of Jesus, where he took upon himself our sin, suffered the penalty we deserve that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So in verse 24 of our text this morning, we read, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented himself as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. By Luther's time, the traditions of men became as important as the Bible itself. It's like the Pharisees revisited and which even accepted money for forgiveness, which irked Luther most of all. The church leaders reasoned that keeping God's laws could make uh, people acceptable to him by adding to what Jesus did on Calvary and effectively work their way to heaven. And Luther realized no matter how hard he tried, he could never do enough to satisfy the righteous demands of a holy God and come clean before him. And the intent of God's commandments was never to save us, but to show us our hopelessness apart from Christ and drive us to him so that we might be justified by faith. And the harder Luther tried, even whipping himself until blood flowed, tried to purify himself, the harder Luther tried to keep God's commands, the more the law demanded and the burden of his conscience grew and he actually despised God for asking the impossible of him. And then he came to understand that he didn't have to do it himself at all, that it was all done for him on the cross. And the grace of God and hope filled his heart and his conscience was finally set free. And so in verse 20 we read, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law of commandments. You, you can't, it can't be done. Rather, through the law we become conscious of our sin. Martin Luther had no plans of launching a revolution or a reformation when he challenged the church with his 95 statements or thesis at Wittenberg. The church not only refused to be questioned, but threatened to condemn him to death and hell by excommunication if he did not disavow everything that he wrote. And then I think I'll start over again. And here we are. Okay. But like we mentioned, Luther didn't think that he was starting a, ref a reformation at the time of revolution, but the church not only refused to question him, but threatened to kill him, to excommunicate him, and, he, and then we have those famous words of his. The world is always at war against the church, and unfortunately many churches, as we mentioned, are at war with Christ and forfeited the gospel truth, are de destroying their very foundation. There are many churches like that around. They need to be reformed again, being restored to the infallible truths of Scripture along with the pillars of the Protestant church in which it was founded. The Protestant Reformation couldn't have happened without a personal reformation of Luther's own heart. In many ways, he was like the Apostle Paul. Each of them was very educated by the religious establishment of the day, but found their own way to the truth in spite of what they'd been taught by the church of their day. And Paul discovered the grace was missing from his life and said all that he used to, to trust in was worthless compared to the worth of knowing Christ Jesus. 
of being found in him, not having a righteousness which comes from the law, but which comes from faith alone, the righteousness that comes from God. And then in verse 21, he writes, Now a righteousness from God apart from the law of works has been made known, which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. Jesus took all of our unrighteousness upon himself to have his righteousness given us as if it were our very own. And that is all that we need to be acceptable in his sight. In our epistle for today, Paul makes this case which Luther wholly embraced, which changed him in the whole world. Luther rediscovered it for the church and he passed it on to us. God's commands don't give the conscience peace by keeping them, but it makes one realize even more how guilty we are. All will be judged either by our own flawed efforts or by the perfect, perfectly finished work of Christ. And so God cared enough to send his son into the world to suffer and die for us, which alone gives us peace. And this is the solution to our sin debt to God. There is no other way in all eternity depends upon it in the results of what we do with him right now. And so that's the message for today. And what God does with us one day depends upon what we do with him today. God um, can be a, guilt can be a good thing. Guilt can be a good thing when it is dealt with rightly. It is to the soul what pain is for the body. It tells you to get help when you can, to find a cure and apply it so that things can be good again and so that we can be healed and guilt tells us that something is wrong in our lives. A change has to be made to get rid of the pain. Therefore, God wrote his laws in our minds at creation so that everyone has a conscience, more or less. And the law of God in the Bible reinforces what's already written in the conscience, making us more aware of our sinfulness so that we will turn in sorrow and repentance to God, forgives our sins for the sake of his Son. And then we can live with our conscience and we can live with God's law as a friend acting us not to condemn us, but to show us when we're off the right pathway and to avoid disaster. There is only one way to God, there's only one way to heaven, and that's God's way. To be given credit by God for what we could never do or accomplish by ourselves. Righteousness is the goodness which we have personally, which God compares to filthy rags. And on this basis, we can never be accepted so Jesus offers his righteousness as a robe to wear to cover our sin with his holiness, making our salvation totally dependent upon him, which takes all of our doubt away. We never have to wonder if we've done enough. It's not about us, but about him. I thought this was an, a provocative statement. We are saved by good works. The works of Christ for us. And God is willing to accept anyone and everyone who comes with Christ Jesus, his Son, and will never accept those who come any other way. It is because of God's grace alone that by faith alone in him we're saved, as Jesus said. The righteousness of Christ comes as a free gift of grace, but it must be received as the Holy Spirit works it 
into us by means of his grace, by the means of grace, his word, and the sacraments. In Article 3 of the Apostles' Creed, we read, I cannot by my own strength or reason believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit calls me through the gospel, enlightens me with his gifts, sanctifies and preserves me in the one true faith. It is absolutely free to us, but purchased at great cost by the sacrifice of God's own Son. And so Isaiah writes, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. Christ's righteousness does cover the Christian, but there's still the matter of underlying sin. And the justice of God demands punishment for sin, but the wrath of God was satisfied, and we need to return to the cross daily for cleansing. And under the law of commandments, Luther stood condemned, but grace saves us as if, if we let it. And all have sinned and fall short, but the wages of sin is death, but, and there's that word, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We maintain, we're reminded in verse 28, that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law, and that sums up the message and the meaning of the Protestant Reformation. A man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. We are justified or acquitted freely by his grace through the redemption coming by Christ. Where's the boasting then, Paul asks? God himself answers, let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in this I delight, declares the Lord. John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. And then we will find the Reformation continuing in us too as we see his grace growing within us, taking control of our hearts and minds, and all as we spend time with him in his word. We will find ourselves decreasing, and we will find that all we want or need is Christ. And Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these wonderful words which set them free in Luther's day which continues to set souls free in our day, in our own soul as well. We give you the praise and the glory for it all, for the opportunity to know you as our God and Father, and Jesus as our Lord and Savior, who took upon himself our sins and died with them on the cross, that simply by trusting in him we might have life eternal and be blessed here on earth and in heaven forever. Impress these thoughts upon us on this special day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.